Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in. The Badgers are still playing. Duke is not playing anymore, Jesse. Purdue is done playing. Michigan is done playing. The Badgers are not. They beat Liberty 75-71 in the second round of the NIT. They advance to what is the Elite Eight, I believe. Uh, yeah, the, the Elite Eight. I'll call it the quarterfinal. I don't know that I can justifiably call it an Elite Eight uh, <laughs> when we're talking about teams that were barely above 500. But I don't want to be the negative voice here. That's generally your responsibility. And so uh, I w- we'll see where it goes. I, I feel more positive vibes uh, after this this game. Yeah, definitely. Wisconsin beats Liberty 75-71. They're moving on. As we're recording this, Oregon and UCF have not played yet. So whoever wins that game, Wisconsin will face that game. If it's, US, if it's UCF, it'll be in Madison. Um, Greg Gard seemed to think it would be on Tuesday. If Oregon wins, Wisconsin will have to travel out there. Um, God, that's tough travel, right? I mean, they'd be I guess they'd be leaving tomorrow, tomorrow morning, and getting out there and playing and on Tuesday if that's if that's actually how it is. Doesn't really matter. We'll we're, we'll focus on Oregon and UCF another day. Today it's about Wisconsin and Liberty, and Wisconsin actually uh, taking care of Bradley, beating them by 19 the other night, coming back uh, on the heels of a big Steve breakout game. 36 points he had against Bradley. Came out looked like he was going to have about that same number uh, early. I mean, he had 14 points. In the uh, first half, did not score the rest of the game. Uh, had that little incident uh, at the end of the first half that we'll talk about as well. Chucky Hepburn, though, huge game. Career high, 27 points. Uh, his previous career high was 23. Had it against Wake Forest. Hadn't had more than 12 since February 11th. So it had been quite some time since we had seen this offense performance from Chucky. Um, got 16 from Tyler Wall. Huge game towards the end for Max Klesman. A big three-pointer, some big... Uh, a great big, a big time lay in. And then obviously uh, the free throws to, to make it that four point game at the end. Fantastic job. by Wisconsin to come back against a very game Liberty squad, but Jesse, we're still talking basketball. It's March. It's March 19th. We're still talking basketball. I didn't expect it to be that way. I don't even know where to begin here, Zach. The excitement is off the charts. We're talking about a team right now that is uh one consecutive games for the first time in two and a half months. I know we'll, get to each game because they were both worthy in their own right, the victories against Bradley and Liberty. But uh, where's this team been? And maybe you can say, well, these (laughs) Bradley and Liberty weren't big 10 teams. Uh, Clearly Wisconsin showed some physicality, but also showed a lot of fight. Um, To me, you in your opening uh, setup here, it does bring up a great, I don't know if it's an existential question, but it's like, you know, would you rather be really good and make the NCAA tournament and flame out in the first round? Or would you rather be totally mediocre and make a run in a tournament that not as many people watch, doesn't fill the stands, but you're building confidence and winning games? Uh, I, I I don't know what the answer is, to be honest. That's a, that's a, that's a tough question and one that <laughs> like was legitimately. At, yeah. And one that was thrown at us, obviously, in uh, the Twitter questions. Our, our friend Bart Torvik said, would you rather... <laughs> make a run in the NCAA or the NIT tournament like Wisconsin is or losing the first four other variations of it. Would you rather be in Wisconsin position or would you rather be in Purdue's position? Exactly. You know, um, and quite honestly, I still want to, I'd rather make the NCAA tournament uh, for this, for no, but here's the thing for this particular team for Wisconsin. I think that this is a positive 
Um, though we don't know exactly what this team is going to look like next year. I do think that these games mean something for them moving forward. I think they can be used as a springboard like that, that for this team, I think it makes sense, but you still can make the NCAA tournament and you're at Wisconsin. And if you don't make the NCAA tournament, people are going to put this down as a lost year, but that shouldn't take away from what they've done these last two games, which is actually win them. And then, as you mentioned for the first time, since I believe January 3rd, back-to-back wins. So I'd rather make the NCAA tournament. I know losing the way that Purdue did really sucks, uh, and they're a laughing stock and being and being laughed at, but no one even knows that Wisconsin's in the NIT nationally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, they're irrelevant. It's irrelevant nationally. Uh, it's relevant to us, but it's not relevant to anybody that, you know, to the college basketball world. I'm honestly struggling with the answer to that question. Like, obviously you want to put yourself in position to be in the tournament that everyone cares about. But if I knew in hindsight being 2020, if I knew that the team that I rooted for was going to be a one seed and be the second one seed to flame out in the first round, and it would be a massive embarrassment and you would be remembered for that far more than you would whatever happened in the regular season. Woof. Uh, maybe that's an extreme example. So maybe we should talk about a team like Duke or a four or a five seed or something like that. But uh, either way, I guess it's irrelevant for Wisconsin's purposes because they didn't make the tournament. They're in the NIT and they're playing well. They overcame a seven point deficit with a, a Liberty player who's just tremendous um, and almost willed him to win Darius McGee. It showed a lot that Wisconsin was able to pull that one out in the end. They've still got a lot of fight left in them. They do. They do. Maybe the Purdue example is a little bit different, um, but like Wisconsin, same Wisconsin had made the first four and lost the way that yeah. um, some of the teams did there, whether it was, who was it? Mississippi state, you know, if they had gone down the way that those teams had gone down again, it's, it's the NCAA tournament. But then again, I've, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough question. It's not a question that I really think, have a great answer for and not one that I really want to discuss ever again, like going forward. I don't ever want to be talking about this again, but a win is, uh, you know, winning. If you're going to make the NIT might as well win it. Right. You might, you might as well win it. And uh, right now they are the, I mean, it's potential by the end of the day, they could be the last big 10 team still playing. Obviously Michigan lost in flaming out fashion. <laughs> which was, I know you're heartbroken. I know which was amazing, amazing, especially considering how involved uh, that guy was in the uh, <laughs> in the in the stretch down, you know, going down the stretch. But it's possible by the end of the day, we'll see what happens with uh, Michigan State and in Indiana. That Wisconsin could be the last Big Ten team standing. That's that's great, but I think you'd still rather be playing on that Thursday or Friday of the NCAA tournament. But they're not. They're in the NIT. And they've won back-to-back games. They did it against Bradley on the back, as I mentioned, of Stephen Crowell. I mean, wow! look, this is the type of player Big Steve could be. Um, and you have to use – and I think you have to put the emphasis on the word big because neither Bradley nor Liberty has the size to match up with him inside. Um, and Bradley still – I mean, they did what they could. They really couldn't do much. And then uh, obviously against Liberty, it was a little bit different, but we're, we're seeing a little bit of that, uh, that big Steve that Greg Gard has talked about the guy that he thinks can be an all big 10 type of player. Right. I thought it was interesting early in the game. Fran Fraschella was on the broadcast and he said that uh, there's about four minutes left in the first half and Crowell made a three from the left wing. And Fraschella said that 
if he can shoot basically if he can shoot better than 28 percent on three which is what he'd been this year that he's an all big 10 player um now that doesn't have to be the strength of his game but that was a performance that was aided by the fact that he buried five three-pointers and yes he dominated in every facet he was able to play strong down low but when he got to 29 points there were still over 13 minutes left and he had made his fifth three-pointer I mean, obviously that just with a seven footer, it's impossible to guard anyway, and it adds a totally different dimension. So he had it going on in a variety of ways, but it really did feel like, at least for a brief moment there, that he might threaten Frank Kaminsky's single game scoring record. Didn't end <laughs> up happening, obviously. And I thought it was funny. Jim Polzine, our uh, our guy at the State Journal, had tweeted something about, "Are you? Uh, what did he say? Are you uh, worried, Frank? Getting worried? Getting Frank? worried, Frank? Yeah. Yeah. And Frank said, like, I hope that he breaks it. Um, but 36 points in 33 minutes, you know, these are performances that we can debate the merits of the importance relative to the NCAA tournament. But for these guys who have struggled for so long, who have not been consistent, I think it's huge. And the other thing we should point out, we just discussed this on the last show. We were coming off a game in the Big Ten tournament for Wisconsin, the first round loss to Ohio State, where guard really challenged Crowell afterward and talked about how he needed to be more consistent and certainly he's not the only one, but talked about how he needed to look to score and not always look to pass. And we saw that these last couple of games, him being aggressive and, and showing that physicality and, and, and emotion. And obviously he's been really, really good. I asked Greg guard after the game, if, um, cause he has been talking about probably more aggressive, right? He wanted him to be more aggressive. Was he a little bit too aggressive towards the end of the first half? <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve and I and I saw it happen originally. It looked like the like Steve had gotten hit in the head in in the head, um, and he went down to the ground. And when he got back up, he was pissed. And then obviously everyone else saw what happened. With uh, he didn't even get him in the head. I mean, he hit him under the armpit in the he up, pulled the him down. Is what it looked no, like. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is no, no. Right? Yes. He Steve said he thought he got pulled down by that guy. Yeah. Right. So he gets up and, you know, he's banging and the, the forearm, it, but it didn't hit him in the head. It, hit, it didn't. It, it looked. And again, uh, looking at smaller screens, you're sitting, you know, uh, you have a little bit bigger screen where you're watching. It looked like he hit him underneath the armpit and his armpit kind of <laughs> in, his, in his own arm hit him in the head. Uh, and, and he went down. That wasn't even what he got the technical for, though. It was for what he said when he walked away. The official, I mean, it was pretty clear. He was not going to get a technical for what happened. But when he said something as he walked away, he got the technical. Um, and then obviously the flagrant to go along with it. And it kind of, I don't want to say ruined the rest of his game because he ended up being an impact. Uh, he has the ability to pass and do different things without scoring. So it's not necessarily just because he didn't score again doesn't mean he didn't make an impact. But um, Greg Gard said he has a little bit of an edge to him. And I don't necessarily think it's an edge that we've seen a ton of. I also learned something new today that I never would have expected. And, and I'm sure people listening to this would not have expected it. Greg Gard called Stephen Crowell the best trash talker on the team. Like I and would not have expected that. And he says it's not particularly close. He lets everybody know how good he is. And he does it all the time in a very uh, unique way. So he may have a, a look about him as, you know, relaxed and calm. But apparently he has uh, has quite the the, the trash talking to him. 
Well, I'd like to see much more of that on the floor, not necessarily a flagrant one. Uh, <laughs> and then get you agree with up. it? Oh, the, which part that it was a flagrant one or that he got teed up or either. The, I mean, the T or either. I mean, yeah, just, well, I mean, I'm a, lot of, uh, a lot of times he's walking how, away. Well, how often away. do you see that? Yeah, but how often do you see this, that the guy who's who's retaliating is the one who gets oh, called for something? All the time. I, and, and yes, he was he was pissed. He got dragged down. And you could see guard talking to the officials. They they showed the sideline and guard is telling him that uh, Stephen got pulled down. But uh, I, yeah, I, I agree with it. But the hard thing is not knowing exactly what he said. Uh, but look, if you're an official, that's that's your job. Um, and I'm shocked. I'm uh Shooketh, I think they say. I don't know who I would have picked for the top trash talker. Like, I I honestly, let's see. Let me think about this for a second. <laughs> I feel like I would have gone with Chucky Hepburn because he's the type of dude that you would just be like, you he never shows any emotion, but I feel like underneath he would he would just be destroying you. Yeah. <laughs> um I feel but, like Max Max Klusman would have been Klusman up there. Too. Yeah, I would, is, I would probably put him up there too. Uh um, he's he's an emotional guy. <laughs> but uh look. I think when you're doing that out on the floor in a game, it means that you're confident. You know, you don't talk trash unless you radiate confidence. Um, at least that's kind of how I've always felt about it. Um, and so this is a really big week, I think, for Steven after Greg sort of called him out. Um, and you're right. The second half wasn't as good as the first, but that put him in an unfortunate situation because in, in the span of, uh, you know, the blink of an eye, he picks up two fouls. And so then he's got three and he's got to deal with the foul trouble uh, or, or not wanting to pick up a foul and have to go back to the bench. He ended up with four fouls, but he and Chucky were the show in the first yeah. half. There was, there was a stretch there where those two had 29 of Wisconsin's first 31 points. The only other bucket was Connor Asijan and uh, those two just took over. They did. Um, and the great thing about Chucky and what, just one more thing on that whole situation you mentioned Greg Gard getting after the official on the sideline. He didn't stop after the the uh, the final horn of at the end of the first half. He went right up to the guy, and they were going face to face. They were, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was as intent, intensive of a thing as you'll see Greg Gard, which is still probably a zero on the Francon. But like it's <laughs> comparatively, like it's it, he was he it was intense. And I asked him like what he said about it or what he was saying to the guy, and he joked. Uh, I was telling him his my favorite restaurants that he can go to that you know next time he's in town um and then you know after he got done joking he said uh i he i was telling him to go wa watch some tape to see you know what actually was happening on the floor to to deal with his you know to deal with some of these calls and he told me to go watch some tape too so uh we both did that and uh that that was that but like it was intense it was intense you don't nearly you don't see great guard like that very often. So it stands out more so than, than normal. But um, I think both staffs were really into the game. I think mm -hmm. the officials were way too into the, were way too big of a part of the game in the first half. Um, you know, maybe a little in the second half too. It's the NIT, man. Nobody want, wants to watch you. Zero people want to watch you uh, call fouls. But I mean, one team was 11 for 17 from the line. The other one, 20 for 24. Obviously that nine point advantage for Wisconsin significant. Yeah, it was a physical chippy game. So I, I I mean, it was great. It it felt like an NCAA tournament type game just because of the passion and the energy that the teams played with and how close it was at the end. Um, but 
yeah, officials. Um, I don't know what to say about them. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I, it's right. It's a hard job. I get that. It is what it is. But I just wanted to, to mention that, you know, Greg Gard, who's not normally in the, the official's face on a regular basis. It's not that he doesn't talk to him. He doesn't yeah. get intense and into their face like that. I wanted to mention that. Uh, but going back to Chucky Hepburn. Yeah. You know, it was him in the first half and it was him in the second half, too. I mean, he finished with 27 points. The greatest thing about, I think, his his game on Sunday was the fact that none of those points came off of three pointers. Exactly. Um, one of them should have, I don't know how his, his shot from the corner didn't go down. It hit every single part of the rim felt like it hit every single part of the net uh, and then pop back out. And to be fair, Liberty's uh, shot that, that would have given them a two point lead or would have given them a lead, a wide open shot from Rody kind of did the same exact thing. And, you know, in that last possession or one of the last possessions. Um, so either way, but yeah, Chucky, none of them coming from three. I mean, he was all for six from three. Otherwise, nine for 14. He was getting into the lane and finishing, which has been a, obviously a huge struggle for this entire team this year, including him. And the benefit, obviously, was they didn't necessarily have the size to deal with it. Liberty being uh, that being said about Liberty. Yeah, that was the thing. Chucky used his strength to his advantage, but you've also got to finish when you get in there. You look at his first bucket about five minutes in the game. It's a post-up turnaround jumper, which is not a particularly high uh, percentage <laughs> shot for a lot of guys. And there may, there may been, there may have been, it hasn't been for Chucky. Yeah, there may, there yeah. may have been somebody next to me that said, uh, why do that shot with 24 seconds left? You can you can get that shot with, with one second left, um, but it went down. So Yes, and, and then he was just able to, break defenders down off the glass. And there were other situations where he was just straight up posting the guy, defending him and scoring. Um, and yeah, so he goes 0 for six from three, but he makes nine of 14 of his two point shots. And another guy we're talking about Crowell, but I mean, Crowell and Hepburn, we mentioned this last week, you've got this, this so-called big three coming into the season. And the, the biggest reason Wisconsin is in the position that it's in. Well, there's a few, but you had to have your star step up consistently and, and Chucky, for whatever reason, it's been ebbs and flows and he's coming off a couple games where he just wasn't very good offensively. I mean, I, there's really no way to sugarcoat it in the Ohio state game. He goes two for nine from the field. He scores six points. And in that Bradley game, he goes one for seven from the field and, and scores three points. His three point shooting still hasn't been there, but for him to be able to do some other things and score um, in the way that he did, it really showed the type of player that he can be. And uh, obviously he carried them with 27 points. It was, uh, you know, maybe this is, I don't know. I don't want to make too much of a, a game or a week springboarding a team into an off season when your next game to start the next season isn't for seven or eight months or whatever. But uh, th this is an important stretch for these guys. Um, and, and they're playing like it. Yeah. I saw after the game. Yeah. I, I watched the, the, uh, the final few minutes from the courts. Like it's not courtside because, I was having to look over people uh, in the tunnels, but, and was catching video of their, as they were coming off the court, he must've signed 50 autographs and took maybe as many pictures with people coming off the court. He stood around for like 10, 15 minutes, even before like getting in the locker room, like he, and he probably would have kept going until like there was UWPD. You're like, come on, dude, we need to get you in the locker room. And they, they ushered him back. So he was soaking it up. And deservedly so. It was a huge game that they absolutely needed. I did find it funny. as goes, yeah, I, we were able to take advantage, you know, of the size on one end. But trying to do the stuff on the other end, what, uh, you know, chasing McGee around. Yeah. 
was a pain in the ASS. That that was his that's his exact quote after the game because that dude so quick, so quick and and you know willing to take any shot possible. I did, he certainly wasn't uh, efficient by any stretch, but thirty one points uh, is still thirty one points. I mean, he went four for fifteen from three, uh, but he got in the lane and was able to finish in the lane even at his size. It was he was a really really impressive. They met. I mean, it it is what it is. They lost, and uh, it took them 25 shots to get those 31 points, but he's as quick as the guys that they faced this year. I'll be honest. When Liberty took a 61-54 lead, I thought it was over. I just, I mean, they had the best score on the floor uh, during stretches, and it felt like when they needed an answer, they were getting one. But I got to give Wisconsin a lot of credit to be able to weather a storm of a guy who can score like that and come back and I know their record in close games has been pretty good and we talked about it they played 18 games decided by five points or fewer and they were 11 and 7 in those games and now they're uh 12 and 7 but um I I just give this team a lot of credit for what they were able to do down the stretch and if I was Chucky I would soak it up too that may be the last time that he's playing in front of the home fans again remains to be seen what the the next opponent's going to be but when you have a game like that um I mean you you don't want to leave the floor <laughs> you want to, <laughs> you seriously, you want to soak in that moment and just be around people who want to shower you with praise and, and, uh, and he earned it. He definitely did. He definitely did. Um, I will say this. I didn't, I didn't think they could win a game shooting like they did from three. When you go one for 15, I, I, yes. I didn't. And yet the one three that they did hit was huge. I mean, I'm glad we're getting to that. Max Klesman. Down the stretch, I think I mentioned it in the open, didn't do almost anything offensively for the first, what, 37 minutes? Almost you know, almost 38 minutes. He didn't, uh, his first bucket came with 209 left, and it was that three pointer. The only three pointer Wisconsin hit the entire game. And it wasn't like it was like an open shot, it was just over a guy. Gives him, they were down 60, they were down 67, 65. He gives him a three pointer to take the lead at 68, 67. Now down 71 to 70. He comes and gets the left handed layup to go over a guy. And it was the exact same play, according to Greg Gard. It was the exact same play that they ran against Rutgers, um, just to the other. I mean, he opposite way was he was going to his right instead of the left that he didn't get to go uh, in a game that they ended up losing by I think it was one and then he gets the free throws down at the end to make it a a two point or a, a two possession game and so uh and I believe he got the rebound he corralled the rebound that allowed them to get to that those free throws so just huge huge plays down the stretch from Max Klesman after having to miss much of the first half due to foul trouble he's just a clutch guy um you may know this but do you know <laughs> the last time Wisconsin uh went an entire game without making a three-pointer I do not this was mentioned on the broadcast. January 29th, 1997 against Northwestern. What? Isn't that insane? That and is they crazy. Were sitting there 0 for 14 from three with a, with a little over two minutes left. And it just felt like, oh, God, what a way for this team to go. They're going to fizzle out here in this NIT game <laughs> at home in front of like two thirds full crowd because they gave away half the tickets and uh, they're not even going to make a three. So, Mad props to Max Klesman for making sure that that uh, streak of made three pointers <laughs> continues and for helping the team win. He was, he was obviously huge. And that, 
that drive that he made, he was on the right wing and cut across the lane and floated that thing up about as high off the glass as you could. Uh, just absolutely massive because that gave Wisconsin the lead again because they were going back and forth. So even though the box score won't look particularly impressive from him, that he played 23 minutes, scored seven points. I mean, we know all seven in the last two plus minutes of the game helped Wisconsin escape. They did. Um, two other guys that we need to point out. Kamara McGee and Carter Gilmore. Yes. Uh, again, guys that are not going to stand out, as you mentioned, in the um, stat sheet. Carter Gilmore, 0 for 1, did have five rebounds. Uh, and Kamara McGee, just two points, but uh, two big points at the free throw line late in that game. Also had forced a jump ball, right? He forced a jump ball on uh, when he stole it. And then I think they actually gave him credit for the steal. And then it was... And, and then it was a jump ball, and it was Wisconsin's. Yeah. And it was Wisconsin. So, uh, either way, and then Carter Gilmore, the way that he was able to defend McGee, you know, the when it was only a two point game after a season only hit one, so it's seventy three seventy one coming back down, and he was able to, despite McGee being as quick as he is, to get what he wanted to to uh, force a rather tough shot in the lane for a guy that I wouldn't say he's more. I wouldn't say he's overly athletically gifted, uh, Carter Gilmore. Certainly more athletically gifted than me, or eh, I'm not going to say that about you, but uh, certainly more athletically gifted than me. Being able to stick with a guy like that, very, very impressive, and it was a huge... I mean, it was the game-winning defensive play, in my mind. I thought it was the best moment of the game from him. Uh, a guy who'd just been dominating, getting to the rim seemingly at will and finishing, and Gilmore steps up and puts his body in there and makes it difficult enough for him to miss. Um, yeah, the, the numbers will never show, uh, generally speaking with Gilmore, uh, nothing will pop out to you in the box score, but those are the types of things that he does and, and that Wisconsin needs him to do. And, uh, yeah, you know, you see that the bench contributed what 47 minutes and, and four points. Wisconsin got, I think it was, yeah, four, four points out of it. So Jordan Davis hit a, hit a jumper and then McGee hit those two free throws to tie the game at 62 with a little over six minutes left, but you got to have something and you got just enough to escape. But um, this is kind of what Carter Gilmore does and, um, you know, ends up with five rebounds, which ties for second on the team, even though we only played half the game. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like I need to mentor, uh, mention Connor Asijan. Still playing a ton of minutes, still doing some things, um, but his shooting touch is gone. I, I, over the last, I think it's over the last eleven games, he's shooting in the low twenties in terms of three point shooting. Do you think it's just a matter of hitting a wall? I mean, because yeah, it, it, because, I know that because sounds if, cliche. Because if you but... think about it, I mean, you think about it, go all the way back to the summer. They go on their overseas trip, then they go to the they go to the Bahamas, and then they have a full season where you know he's being for. I mean, not forced into he's earned it, but playing thirty minutes a game kind of feel like uh, it may have caught up to him. Yeah, it's a lot of games. It's a lot of minutes, and it all adds up, especially for a freshman. Um, you know, they've played 33 regular season games so far, and he went from being a, a bench player to getting starters minutes to playing 30-plus minutes a game a lot of times. Um, so this tends to happen. I, I, I really look forward to seeing what kind of player he's going to be like as a sophomore. I expect him to be better in all areas and stronger like we you know yet usually expect from the the freshman to sophomore leap but this can happen um 
but he's still able to find some ways to score. Obviously, he missed all four of his threes, but he went three for four on twos and scored seven points and got five rebounds. So that's the sign of a really good player is finding other ways to contribute, even if the thing you're best at isn't working for you. All right, let's get into uh, some of our Twitter questions here to close out the show. Um, Joe says, have heard Twitter grumblings about a couple of starters potentially transferring back to their home state Big Ten school. How likely, unlikely do you think this group coming back intact next year? How likely or unlikely, I guess, is this group coming back intact next year? Well, <laughs> I guess I'd want to know a little bit more about what specifically you're referencing. I mean, well, I can help you. What, there. Are, what, are, you, what are you saying? Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. So there are there. I mean, look, it's NIL era. It's the transfer portal era. So people are go, people that have, I think, agendas one way or the other are going to start putting out these rumors and trying to get some smoke going. But I mean, yeah, Chucky's going to transfer back to Nebraska. Connor season is going to go back to Indiana. You know, Tyler Wall, his final year is going to spend it somewhere else. Like these, that's that's kind of the idea behind some of this stuff. Look, I think every every player, because of the portal, is at is at some level an open possibility to transfer. Um, so that, that's all that's all I'll say about it. But I'll, those to me, to me, they're rumors that may at some point have had a little bit of, uh, you know, smoke to it. But again, I, I think it's at this point, there's, there's zero concrete evidence that there's, that there's any inclination that this is going to happen. That doesn't mean it's not going to, but it is, I think, strictly rumors at this point. And it's rumors that are going to happen every single year with the transfer portal and with the NIL, because there are people that are going to try and come and take your players money-wise in Wisconsin, just going to do the exact same thing. They're going to go after players and and throw money at them too. I mean, not money. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like NIL opportunities that you could have at the school if you come here, that type of thing. Kind of like the Mueller stuff that Chucky and Tyler are doing, or the Mountain Dew stuff that all the players have been doing in recent week or in recent years. So, how likely, unlikely is this group coming back intact next year? Me personally, I think it's likely that the core is back, but anything is possible these year. These the, at these at this point. Right. We know in this era, coaches talk about it all the time. We just saw it with football that you continually got to recruit your own players. Um, but there's I, I even though I would never say never, I would be surprised, especially about some of the names that have been mentioned. Like, you know, Chucky's a guy who's been all in on Wisconsin for a long time, way before he ever even got here. Um, it, it just it would be very surprised. And, and Nebraska, of all places, it's it just sort of would blow my mind. And then the same with a siege and, you know, I mean, was again, I don't know. It's hard to kind of put a number on what loyalty means um, because, you know, coaches can leave in a second, obviously, and now players can too, but Connor's only big 10 offer was from Wisconsin um, gave him this platform to do what he just did. And he's obviously going to be a massive part of this team and this program for the future. Look what he's done this year. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for Tyler. Like, obviously, he wants to wait until the end of the season to make a decision on whether he's going to continue on or move on or whatever. But I tend to agree with you, Zach, that I think this core is, is still going to be here. And and if they're all back, just because you're older doesn't guarantee anything. But if they can get some help off the bench, get some people out of the portal, um, maybe get Yaldon in here 
contributing. Like they've got a chance to be a very good team next season. And I would think people want to be a part of that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, as I said, I have zero, zero idea of how this all plays out. I don't think it's, I don't think anybody does. I don't even think Greg Gard does. So we'll, we'll see, uh, kind of on that, in that same vein, um, this one comes from Laura. She says, uh, assuming the bulk of the rotation returns and taking into account the incoming recruits, what are the biggest needs to try to find in the transfer portal? Well, I think we talked about this on the last show. They got to have front court help. Like that is, that's got to be priority. Number one, if you can get a really good, I think if you can get point guard help too, um, but everywhere <laughs> i mean no number one is is helping the front court you know we've talked ad nauseum about the just the the lack of a presence they've got off the bench there that carter gilmore is your only front court player who's contributing um you know i don't know i mean can can you bank on marcus silver or chris hodges making the leap that you need I, it's hard to say I, I certainly think that with another year they'll be better but you just don't know so you've got to have that you can never have enough shooting. Like, but the thing is there, there's only so many scholarships to go around. Obviously it depends on, is anybody going to leave, but there, it's not like there's a lot of extra scholarships laying around. So they're going to have to do right. their due diligence and, and really hone in on exactly what they need. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think that again, well, I think it's unlikely uh, that, that some of the bigger names leave some of the names that we've, talked about in this show i think that there's entirely likely possibility of some of the names that we haven't talked about potentially uh transferring we saw that last year with ben carlson and obviously lauren bowman before even before the end of the season and matthew moores like it it happens it's gonna happen with guys at the end of the bench that maybe think that they should be getting more playing time or don't see playing time at wisconsin a possibility that they go elsewhere um and again I, as i said last last time we talked about this that's a conversation that Greg Gard and his staff are certainly going to have with guys. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. Let me follow up. Well, let me follow up real quickly on that. Cause I, I uh, want to provide some specific numbers here. If you're just looking at the scholarship breakdown, you know, you get 13 scholarships. If everybody came back, if you'd be at, well, <laughs> you'd be at 14 because Tyler would be taking a scholarship, you know, the, you don't get a free year now in terms of a scholarship that doesn't count against you as a program, right? With the COVID situation, um, like you Correct. did the year after. So guys who come back, that's a scholarship. But I think we know, well, Jacoby needs injury situation. So that, yeah. that that's potentially one. And then you're at 13 and then people could leave. But let's say somebody leaves who's a role player. Let's say Tyler doesn't come back you know, there's an opening, there's one opening. So this is kind of where it's hard to project and predict, but there's not going to be a lot. Like, you, you know, you can't just go out and get, it's it's not like football, right? We just saw the football program do work and bring in a top 15 <laughs> transfer class with like 13 scholarship guys. This is not a situation where the basketball program can do that. They may only be able to bring in one person depending on who leaves, maybe two, I don't know. So, um, that's kind of from a number standpoint, just to give people a picture of what's going on. Yeah. I think, I think they've got at least two to work with. We'll see again. It's, I, I think they have two to work with and it, it could be more. We'll see. All right. Close with this one, Jesse. It's one that's, uh, 
going to test you. I think. Okay. I think it's really. I think. I think it's really going to test you. Mm-hmm. So if you got at your current age, ten minutes per game for this Badger squad, over under, averaging two points per game. And you think it's going to test me because of my massive ego? I... <laughs> because, well, absolutely. Just... Yeah, go ahead. Well, let me just let me just set the stage here. Uh, seven years ago, when we were putting this podcast together, I suggested there were some names suggested for the podcast. The swing ended up being the best choice, but there was also a uh, <laughs> one suggested that was below the rim. And you were not on board with that, I think, I think, largely because uh, you you believe your skill is significantly better than that. You're like, would that suggest that we're not athletically gifted? Um, I think it was, some, it was something to that effect, uh, that you took offense to the name. So um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to set this up. I'm, that's, how I'm, that's how I went into this question, thinking about it. Yes, go ahead. I did not, from what I remember, want that name because I didn't want something that set us up to be sort of self-deprecating or uh, and, like and, less than. Yeah, well, and, that's, and because... again, and again, well, no, but like you don't want to be self-deprecating, like because no, but that was from a journalistic standpoint. Oh, not okay, from, I got you. Not from a basketball playing standpoint. And gotcha. this, is, this has been a, a elongated uh, process here for me to say. No, I would av- I would not average two plus points a game playing 10 minutes a game for this team right now. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, the pandemic was over three years ago. No, yeah, it was about three years ago this month. I have played once since then uh, <laughs> in uh, Milwaukee, just so I could say I did it when they had the media basketball game before Wisconsin played Stanford out there um, where the Brewers play. And uh, yeah, in a three on three half court game. Uh, where the second half, I was so winded that I couldn't get any air on jump shots and could barely get <laughs> hit the rim. So I'm old now, bro. I'm I'm 38, and that hurts to admit. Uh, maybe 15 years ago, I would have felt a lot better about the situation coming off a, you know, uh, little known Division three career for a program that was five and 18 my senior year. But yeah, not now. No, no. All right, all right. So under how many shots would guard give me? How many shots would he give me? I guess is the question. I mean, would I have to just, you know, be in there and set screens and and do the the swing offense and all that stuff? Or could I just get in there and and go Ilver and just just like fire up the threes? (laughs) When that what every time you touch the ball, you know the ball is going up. Like there was basically the last minute of the game when the walk ons come in. Can I do that? Basically, uh, yes. But then I mean, you're getting 10 minutes here, dude. You got 10 minutes to work with. Yeah, you got to break it down, though. Half the time you're on the other end of the floor. Wisconsin's yeah. one of the slowest paced teams in the country. So every shot will come with like seven seconds left on the shot clock. How many times am I actually going to get the ball? You know, do I get to be the point guard? Is Chucky on the bench? I mean, I have so many questions about this uh, well, hypothetical scenario, but in no in no scenario do I end up averaging more than two unless uh, I get to shoot every time I touch the ball. I think it kind of depends though. Like what if the crowd is chanting your name to shoot it? Like they do with some, you know what they do with some of the end of the bench guys. Like every time they get it in their hands, shoot it. I kind of feel like that's a possible, that'd be a possibility in your case. Everyone on the team would have to be on board with it. Jesse, Jesse, or a, yeah, right. 
And um, I don't think they would because there'd be far better scoring options. <laughs> but if people are going to start, you know, if Crow goes for 36 every night and then people start double and triple teaming him, someone's going to be left open. So I'm just saying, uh, it's kind of like the uh, dumb and dumber. There's a chance. What were, what were you as a three point shooter? Oh God. Uh, my senior year, I was probably like 25 or 30%. Okay. <laughs> but hey, but I stand by. I was the team's point guard. I had a, what is it, three to one assist to turnover ratio. I was a distributor. So you were, hey. but again, if I got to shoot every time, all I'd have to go is one <laughs> for four and I'd hit the mark. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, we're going to take the under on it then. All right. Yep. So we, we got that question answered. Uh, and we did add, we did, did we ever get a final answer on which would you prefer? Um, oh, NIT or NCAA tournament flame out? Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know. It's, I guess it's good to see that Wisconsin's basketball program is continuing to play well after most other programs are done, but I don't think anybody would ever want to settle for the NIT. This is just, this is just really hard. I, I mean, maybe you should make, honestly, you should probably make this a swing poll question. Would you rather uh, make the NCAA tournament and lose the first four or first round game or, uh, you know, be where Wisconsin is and, and get to the quarter? Maybe you should say semis. Does, don't you get to play at Madison Square Garden? Is that still no, a thing? It is not a still thing. They have oh, moved, no. They moved the tournament out to Las Vegas. Okay, well, that's not a bad consolation prize. Uh, it's not, except the NCAA tournament is there as well. Oh, so, boy. Second so fiddle. They are playing. Yeah, they're. Uh, I believe the the... I was talking to someone who goes there a lot. His name is Evan Flood. He's there <laughs> for, high, for high school basketball all the time. But apparently the, the arena they're playing, it is like, kind of like second rate compared oh, to boy. what some of the other stuff they do. But either way, Wisconsin, one more win, and they are in the uh, the final four for the, or as you say, the semifinals of the NIT. And look, they've never won the NIT. And uh, they're they're playing deep into March. Deep into March could be... Tuesday, March 21st, or it could be Tuesday, March 27th, or I say uh, March 27th next weekend if they're able to make it. But uh, they're still playing, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep talking about them uh, as long as they are. Uh, all right, uh, Jesse, thank you very much. Uh, we'll catch up uh, whenever these guys are done. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing. <laughs>